You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. What are we talking about today? Remember last year, like last summer, major media was responding to Seattle as crazy town. Yeah, we, we earned that moniker here. We earned that label. It was crazy town. We had crazy town stuff going on. We've still got that. But we've still we've also got some other stuff going on. And that's what we're talking about today. So how does that label fit with where we sit right now? Yeah, we're still dealing a lot of with a lot of those crazy town issues. Those are ongoing. But there's other stuff going on as well. And um, what what is really interesting is that, you know, Debbie Downer news, it sells so much better the Oh, my gosh, what are they doing in Seattle? That's that's that sells way better eyeballs on it way more than a positive happy story. This kind of covers a little bit of both. Let's get into it. And if you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I have a couple of side hustle companies that are 20 and 30 years old, something like that. Darn near startups. That's what I do full time for a living. But I really like to read the news. So let's read the news. Let's get into it. Okay. Seattle Times article by Danny Westneat. I thought it was a good article. I, I really did. I thought it summarized a lot of the stuff and less talk, Sean, jump into it. It's not news, but bad news is what sizzles. It really does, right? And in the past year, nobody has gotten scorched like Seattle. Just, oh, we got toasted. Just so many crazy things going on. From being pandemic ground, ground zero, that happened here in Kirkland, just up the road, eight miles from my office here, the Life Center, whatever it was in Kirkland, and then Riot Central, and then homelessness, cautionary tale. The city's image has been roughed up and made into the butt of jokes nationally. Yeah, that's accurate, especially by the conservative press. Yeah. Well, we've had a lot of stuff that the conservative press has gone, oh, what are you doing there? What do you guys have going on? And the liberal press here is like, ah, oh, this is just Seattle. This is just how we do it. You know, we're Seattle. I mean, things, you know, we're not, all, we love our fellow human being and we're not all buttoned down and we're not all that conservative stuff. We have different values here in Seattle. Hence the name Crazy Town. For a while, Fox News Sean Hannity labeled any report on his show about Seattle with one all cap signifier, Crazy Town. I thought that was funny. So, like, all right, yeah. That, that is appropriate. It is, it, you got some nutty issues going on that don't happen elsewhere. And I cover them right here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. It's a lot of those head scratchers where people go, uh, what? You know, like Beavis and Butthead, where he does his, <laughs> and then he goes, what? Yeah, like that. It's, you know, nationally, what are you doing? What, what kind of water are you, what are you smoking in Seattle? That's the question, right? Other headlines on the network have described the formerly Emerald City as on life support or circling the drain, the soul of Seattle and play, you know, all that stuff. Or as a place with a once booming economy, soon to be demolished. Well, if you've been following the, uh, you know, the Seattle real estate podcast here, you will know that the economy is not being demolished. Yeah, we've got some stuff that doesn't look good for actual Seattle proper. But guess what? A lot of those businesses, they are moving elsewhere. They're moving over to my burbs here in Bellevue. All right, sure, we had a rough year. But Seattle boosters now are learning that hyperbole like this is tough to shed. When the Downtown Seattle Association posted a video a year ago showing boarded up buildings with the theme of the heart of our city is quiet, 
I think I did a podcast on that. It got 496,000 views on YouTube. When it tried to reverse that with upbeat video last month called The Heart of Seattle is Open, nobody cared. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about good news. They just they give us give us the sideways stuff that is going on. If it bleeds, it leads. Nothing has changed in journalism, right? The new one has been only the new video has only been seen about 4300 times. That is still more than any video that the White House puts out right now. People just aren't watching the White House content at all. Because it's really boring. Whatever our president says, it's boring. It's just, it's like, Oh, my gosh, how, how much longer can I take? I've only been watching it 30 seconds. I'll put in another 30 seconds, see what's going on. And then I'm going to go check out whatever's on Joe Rogan, because that is far more relevant than what our fearless leader is talking or not talking about whatever the case may be. So less than one one hundredth as much as the bad news, the, the good the good news video, <laughs> less than one one hundredth. That's crazy, right? But it's it's so true. If you got a headline that people are like, oh, what happened there? That's what they click on, clickbait, right? I flocked to bad news too, but it's worth pointing out an underreported aspect of pandemic era Seattle, which is all the people out there that have been completely who completely ignored the negative narrative. I'm kind of one of those guys. I started daily podcasting right at the beginning of the Rona shutdown. All right, if I'm going to have nothing to do, and my businesses are both just going to be tanked by somebody outside of, you know, my normal environment, not a real estate person, but a governor of all things, he's going to shut things down. I got to do something. Started daily podcasting. I had no idea if anybody listened. Now there's like close to 50,000 subscribers just on our YouTube channel. Thanks so much for, for tuning in. Thanks for being here. Because otherwise, this this thing would just be, it wouldn't be here because nobody listened and I'm just not going to talk to myself, you know, all day long. That's no fun. People like Navit Singh. I think I pronounced that right. My pronunciation of Indian names is uh, difficult at best. Singh is 29. And last year when he was confronted with all the above dour PR about the city, he didn't freak out or hunker down or flee to Bellevue. That's a common story. Instead, he was driving on Seattle's Capitol Hill one day, right next to the tattered chop chaz zone that got Fox News ire up so much when he saw a plywood covered graffiti marred little shop. They had given up and moved out, Singh says of the previous tenants. We said, that's it. That's the place. So Singh is now the co-founder of Spicebox, a restaurant specializing in northern Indian cuisine. His father, Makan, does, does most of the cooking. They got a deal on the lease because, well, because they were insane enough to open a restaurant next to the old Chop in the middle of a global pandemic. So I was just at Chop uh, two weekends ago. There should be a video released. If it's not, it's a Chop update and also um, a Miller Park investigative reporting. Just got a ton of tents at Miller Park. That's the park that everybody went to after Chop. My walk around Chop, um, and I say it right in the video, hey, Chop is, this area is happening. This park is back to being a park. There's no tents. The homeless have been all swept out. Citizens can now use it. It looked great. It really did. All the graded out areas and all the garbage has been removed. There's people, actual people. There's actual parents and kids on the playground. They're playing. It's, a, it's an important community park because you're in a dense urban area there in CHOP and people need to be able to use their park. They can't have it just overrun with homelessness. 
So got it cleared out and it's looking way better. Um, Anderson Park or uh, not Anderson Park, but Miller Park. It's not looking so good. You want to check out that video if you kind of want to see that update that should be either out or out in the next couple of days here. But business has been booming. And that's what I noticed at chop was that man, there are a lot of people out and I make that comment in the video. I'm just driving around with a GoPro as you know, most 52 year old real estate executives do. Um, shooting some footage. Um, I'm not in the office. I'm not, you know, negotiating some contract. That's, that's old school. That's boring. Um, real re real estate leaders, they get out and they show what's happening. That's what I do. Business has been booming, Singh says. Even now, the Walgreens across the street is covered in fresh plywood, anticipating more vandalism. But Singh says Spicebox has no intention of locking down or boarding up. He is all systems go. Let's do this. Okay, but he also wasn't there during all the peaceful protesting slash violent writing, when they bashed out the windows, let's see how he does after having his windows bashed out two, three, four times, and his profits from his first two months of business or three months of business go up in plywood, right? Broken glass on the sidewalk inside his shop, and then having to fix that and repair all that because right when you open up a business, he probably doesn't have insurance for that kind of thing be my guess, working on a budget working on a shoestring. And then, then um, yeah, it becomes tricky times when uh, people outside of your business environment, they come and bash your windows. The pandemic and all the problems in the city, it's been an opportunity for us, he said. People say we took a chance opening here, but it was our dream. So we knew it was going to be hard work. 100%. We've probably written 100 stories about all the Seattle businesses closing, and they were all true stories. I've read 100 stories on all that too, right? But what hasn't been stressed is that at the same time, new business applications have soared. They've soared in Seattle. Oh my gosh, what is happening? Uh, amidst all this chaos, there's people opening businesses. Are they crazy? Yep, crazy town, right? In Washington State, for example, sorry, there's no data broken out by city. The US Census Bureau reports that applications to start new businesses are up 41% in the first three months of 2021, compared to a year ago, 41%. That is a massive increase in new business coming in, right? Meanwhile, the Urban Institute reports that Seattle's existing small businesses were the hardest of hit of any big city studied with the pandemic closures causing small business delinquencies here below the national average. Seattle had a lot of stuff going on. I, I covered it. But now it's kind of on the rebound. That was a quick rebound a year later after going through a global pandemic, in which we just had riot after riot after riot by the peaceful protesters. I mean, and we've still got that going on last, what was it, Monday? I think they were out protesting, ah, oh, geez, whatever, you know, most recent storyline that was. Um, the result is that the broader doomsday predictions about urban neighborhoods never came to pass. So many comments on my YouTube channel never came to pass. Yeah, you would think so. I would have agreed with a lot of your observations and predictions. Most of them never panned out. Didn't happen. Seattle still going. The result is that the broader doomsday predictions about urban neighborhoods never came to pass, reported Bloomberg Business Week this week. Their story highlighted a slew of other new businesses that opened in Seattle's Capitol Hill, despite the pandemic and riots, including restaurants, a Mexican chocolatier, and a throwback newsstand that also sells beer. And we've also got the city basically is allowing home businesses to operate 
um, giving them some more leniency because there's a uh, kind of a famous brewery people selling beer out of their back garage. And that's been a famous storyline. I forget the name of it. Um, but the city basically changed some of the or the, the business ordinances. So businesses like that can operate. So people are going ham with their businesses in Seattle. That's what's going on right now. Seattle's allegedly dying downtown also was showing unexpected signs of life. Hmm, interesting. This month, it was announced that the half abandoned Macy's building was bought for nearly six hundred million dollars, about triple what the previous owner had paid for it in the past decade, six hundred million dollars. Now you don't pay over half a billion dollars for a building, unless you've got some economic data that says, Oh, this is gonna be this is an okay move. Let's do this. You've got an, a fleet of an accountant sitting there crunching the numbers. Yep, I think it's good. Yep, let's go. They don't say that. They say it more, you know, accountant talk, which is far more buttoned down and way beyond what I can do. Last week came news that some businesses, including a law firm and a wealth management company, had leased out a bunch of floors in the new Rainier Square Tower downtown. That's the same building Amazon had made into a symbol of its opposition to Seattle's proposed business taxes a few years back. So we got all these stories coming and going. Ah, everybody's leaving Seattle. Everybody's leaving downtown. Uh, you know who is still having a lot of trouble? Portland. Yep. They just a just a brutal time there. Amazon's relationship with Seattle remains in the state of flux. That's a nice way of saying Amazon has a foot and a half out the door. They're both going to Bellevue or wherever else, not Seattle. Taxes that that um, Amazon staring the down the barrel at they're not they're not too keen on that they're going to go elsewhere can't really blame them but if the taxes are really that egregious what sense would it make that a wealth management firm of all things is the one signing a big lease to stay interesting point good question maybe the folks that they hire you know maybe they're not getting paid that much no I don't know people just think hey you know what time to return to downtown time to lots of activity going on in downtown right now a ton of activity i think that this summer you're gonna that's that's gonna be the new storyline is how on fire seattle is and it sounds crazy because a year ago we were like all right roll up the sidewalks this is all dead we're all done put a cap in and it's gone and what did i predict i predicted that mm, you should buy a studio or one bedroom condo in downtown seattle and everybody was like, oh, that's a stupid move. All right. Well, keep that in the back of your mind. We'll see. Then there was news that two life sciences companies got in a bidding war over an office complex, and one ended up paying more than three times the tax assessed value for it, $119 million. Now, that's going on in Seattle. Look at those stories in Portland. You don't have any stories like that in Portland, not to this magnitude. You've got stuff going on, but it is way less, way less. This all seems like a lot of action for a place that's circling the drain. Are these people just not watching Fox News? That's true. I mean, you got to you gotta take your perspective from a bunch of different places. You can't have all perspective from Fox News because, yeah, you would say, all right, those towns are just going up in flames. But we really haven't had much in the way of news coverage the last few months, have we? Other than what I read to you here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. And we've still got crazy town stuff going on. Don't don't worry. I'm still going to cover that. 
But we've also got this underlying, and I've read this how many times to you guys, that our real estate state market, other than Phoenix, our real estate market is second to none. Second to none, just about across the board in most categories, except for affordability. Well, we're not we're not doing great there. But you know, a hot market, you're driven by tech money. That's what's going on. You're driven by tech money and low interest rates, and they are gobbling up real estate. Seriously, the pandemic has tested Seattle in countless ways. It exacerbated some of our worst pre-existing conditions, homelessness, drug addiction, and now the city's got a ton of urban repair to do. That is very, that's a great way of stating it. You got some urban repair. You've got some deferred maintenance in real estate terms. We need to get to that. It's been five years since we, since Seattle um, claimed the big homelessness crisis. It's been five years and it's nothing, nothing. It's just gotten way, way worse. Now, I do have some podcasts coming up where I'm going to talk about directions we're heading and things that we're reimagining and reconsidering here. I think there are some things in place that Seattle, some of the business groups here are like, hey, you got to do something. This is BS. You got to do something. And the other citizens of Seattle are like, ah, you, you can't sweep out the homeless encampments. You can't do that. Those are people living in those tents. My thing to that is, well, they shouldn't be living in tents. They either need to be in a place where they can get the mental health care they need, or they need to be working. They need to be working because a lot of these are kids who are taking the opportunity to live off your and my tax dollars. We're we are citizens who pay into the system. People in the encampments, they're just taking services for free. Some of them, mental health care, majority of them, drug addiction, some kind of addiction. You got addiction going on. They need addiction help. They need to not be living in the, a, a tent at Miller Park, right? I mean, other people would say, ah, oh, but they don't have a place to go. They're young people. They're capable of working. They're choosing not to. That's a lot of what I see out there. Obviously, there are some people who are just down on their luck. Those people need help as well. They need to not be living in a tent next to an elementary school. That's just kind of my point. Let's get back to the article here. So we got the urban repair to do. Yeah, we do. But I also can't help but think Seattle will come out fine. It kind of always does. Seattle is one of these cities that last 25 or 30 years. Since I've been in real estate, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Seattle's going to have a correction. They're going to have a big correction. They're going to drop in value. It's a bubble. I've been hearing the bubble boy theories literally for 30 years. Ah, Seattle's going to have a big correction. And we did during the Great Recession, but so did every other damn city around, right? And it kind of came out fine. But we've never had this this super shiny image. We're more the grunge city. Grunge. You know, Kurt Cobain, grunge. Mud honey, grunge. That's the name of our new earth digging piece. I love that name because mud honey was one of the original bands to come out of the grunge area. And you probably never heard of mud honey, but their lead singer and their guitarist, he went to my high school. He was six years ahead of me. And on one of their first early albums, it said FBCS. And it didn't just say F. You know what I mean? It, he didn't He didn't like his Bellevue Christian experience. That's the school I went to. He didn't like Bellevue Christian. He placed that on the album cover. They're in the liner notes. I thought that was funny. Because, you know, when you go to a school, you're like, ah, oh, F those guys. I don't like what they're, tell they're telling me. Don't teach me something that's irrelevant. 
Learned a lot of good stuff there too. Good school in Bellevue, Christian school, you know, whatever. One of the lesser told stories of the gloomy plague year is that so many people here really are crazy, hopeful dreamers. And then you got a, you know, a ton of tech people are like, all right, I got to live somewhere. I guess I'll go to the Pacific Northwest. Let's go to Seattle. Can't be any worse than LA. LA sucks. Can't be any worse than San Francisco. Let's get away from the dodge the human fecal matter on the sidewalk game. I think I'm going to I'm going to try and put together a um, t shirt that says that and maybe on the front, it's the dodge the human fecal matter tour. And on the back, it's like a concert shirt where you've got, you know, um, found throughout progressive cities in the US and then list a date in a city, you know, Portland, Seattle, uh, San Francisco, New York, just have like a concert tour list, right? I think that'd be funny. Would you guys buy one of those? I think a lot of people would just to have a shirt, you'd never wear it out. You can't have dodge the human fecal matter on your shirt. But how funny would that be? Or maybe a sticker? I don't know. What are you going to do with that? Nothing. But it's funny to talk about. So you got these crazy hopeful dreamers. And these people dreamed enough not to buy in enough to not to buy into the hype. There's always somebody out there is like, yeah, I know it's really crappy, but this is an opportunity. There's some upside here. We got to get through this quickly in order for my business to be able to survive. But the businesses I saw last week at um, whenever it was, I was there. I guess it was it was last Monday, I think, two Mondays ago. Um, There's a lot of activity in CHOP. It was not boarded up. It was not. I mean, it was go time. People were out. Some of that has to do with our weather. Uh, when the weather in Seattle, when that yellow orb in the sky comes out, it is dudes with their shirts off and it's 50 degrees at the park. Literally, that's what we do here in Seattle. We are so depleted from sunshine here that, that literally the the skin comes out. Girls start wearing short shorts and skirts and tank tops, guys shirts off, people start going swimming in lakes that are freezing. People start going in lakes on jet skis. That's me there should be a video of that out there. Um, we should be releasing that if it's not released already. I'm trying to do some more. Hey, this is what you do in Seattle videos um, that just kind of show a little bit more lifestyle, because I think those are important too, because we all live a life. And if you want to see what it's like in Seattle, and you don't live here, I'm going to show you some of that some of the stuff we're going to show this summer, it's going to be pretty off the hook. Um, so to go ahead and rip off the plywood anyway, warnings about being on life support, be damned. That's kind of been the attitude here for a lot of people this spring. Hey, I know maybe this isn't the greatest idea. But you know, there's an opportunity here, I can get in on a pretty inexpensive lease. Imagine that. Hey, don't mind the homeless dude and the needles surrounding him in front of the doorway to this office space. Once you get inside, it is golden. I mean, how about that for an upsell? But, um, you know, you got to have some vision as a business owner. And there's a lot of people just like any major, major town, Portland's going to have the same thing. It's just going to take a lot longer. And Portland's got some more severe issues going on. Let's be honest. Seattle has been in the process of of cleaning up um, for the last several months, kind of quietly cleaning up. Where are they putting all the homeless people? I don't know. I want to do that story. Where are they all going? Well, I know a whole bunch of them, like 50 tents are around Miller Park, but that's just one encampment out of hundreds throughout the city. So that's a storyline that's going going on. 
And Danny Westneat finishes this article with, I guess we are crazy town after all. Yeah, yes and no. But, you know, crazy town is a label that was put on Seattle by um, conservative news. And you know what? Is there such a bad thing as bad publicity? Because look at how much PR Seattle got. And, you know, admittedly, a lot of it negative. But at the same time, it's like when people are bashing your podcast, and they're like, what a piece of you know what podcast, I can't believe that podcast host, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a real estate guy, he should stay the F out of that conversation. He has no business talking about that. That guy is a moron. What is he doing? You know what I say? Yeah, but you're talking about that dude's podcast. You're not talking about your podcast. You're talking about Seattle. That's bottom line. That's the way I kind of view it. <laughs> it's like, all right, I know I live in a town that's, yeah, yeah, it's got some issues. There's some weird stuff going on. Stuff that you don't find in your hometown. Hopefully not. If you're in California, I think you do. Um, <laughs> you know, all this stuff is just, it's so nutty, right? So crazy town. Yeah, I think Seattle, that's a, you know, we'll take it. It's kind of like one of those, all right. And you guys as viewers, you see a lot of this content when you see me walking around with a GoPro, and you've literally got dozens of cranes in a downtown Seattle area. The only place that has more cranes than downtown Seattle right now, Washington, DC. How nutty is that? We're still up there in the number of cranes because they're just building stuff. Like there's, you know, no tomorrow. Okay, so I'm going to do a quick Oh, there's an update here. Um, I'm going to read some updates from people who send in updates. Here's one. Do you guys remember the story I did about the person living in the basement in Magnolia and they had to call the cops and get this person tossed out? Here is an interesting theory on how that person got a one-way plane ticket from Texas to Seattle. Let's check this out. So give me just a second here. I'm going to read this. This is from a reader who is from anonymous, of course, they are from Texas, and they follow kind of local stuff going on down there. And he came up with this theory. And I think there might be some weight to it. The plot thickens on that homeless man who allegedly was given a one way ticket from Texas to Seattle, where he ended up living in the basement of a Magnolia home. It turns out that the Cameron County Jail, where the man had stayed, had last stayed, is only 23 miles from the SpaceX launch facility in Boca Chica. Uh, and then he says, see the map below. And I looked at the map and yep, red dot indicates where the jail is. And the red arrow indicates where the SpaceX launch facility is. It's not that far. It's pretty close. Last week, it was announced that Elon Musk will be donating $20 million to Cameron County Schools and another $10 million to the city of Brownsville. There's a hyperlink to uh, stories on those. Musk has encouraged his followers to please consider moving to Starbase, which is Chica, uh, Boca Chica Village, or Greater Brownsville, South Padre area in Texas, and encourage friends to do so. Wants to make a community down there, right? Do you think there's an unspoken agreement to clean up the area and rid the county of undesirables? The kind of thing Seattle won't do? Maybe. If I had to roll dice on whether that happened, I don't know. That's, I mean, that's, that's some pretty good conjecture, though. And then the guy goes on to say, I, I hate to think that's the case. Um, Texas should take care of its own, correct? But the coincidence, I agree. The coincidence, 
Seems a little weird, doesn't it? One-way ticket to Seattle. Who gave you that ticket? Ah, just some guy. And he said, hey, take this plane to Seattle away from here. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Whether or not it's true, I have no idea. But if there are more storylines like that out there, I'm going to read them. Because Seattle is crazy town. We got crazy people in crazy town. We've literally got crazy politicians. I think they're crazy. That gives me more, more to talk with you guys about though, right? All right. I'm out of here on this one. Thank you so much. I got a bunch more podcasts to cover and we got stuff happening. We got craziness going on. All right. Thanks again for being here. I'll catch up with you guys on the next one. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.